1: Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Adam Tranter.
0: I'm Laura Laker. And
1: I'm Ned Bolting. And we are live in person at the Stead Tap in Waltham Forest. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 they've had a drink. <laughs> Brilliant, they've had a drink. My yeah.
1: local. This is our first sort of proper... I refuse to call it a live show because that makes it sound like we're sort of touring band or something. But this is a podcast we've done in front of real people.
0: First, Yeah, I think it's the first one. We did a virtual one in lockdown. Yes, Yes. that wasn't
3: wasn't quite as as good.
0: We're all in different places.
3: Yeah. But bear in mind, this is a podcast that kind of had its genesis in the the absolute darkest depths of lockdown. This is a bit Mm. scary, isn't it? To actually be confronted with real human beings. Real humans. In a confined space. In a confined space. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it would be rude not to be, in, to be in
1: Waltham Forest without inviting the king of Waltham Forest,
0: Councillor <laughs> <cancer,
1: laughs> <laughs> uh, Clyde Lokes, who is currently the deputy leader and, as many people will know, for the last decade, has led this borough's transformation for walking and cycling. So welcome, Clyde. Right, of course. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. It's very good to be here amongst friends. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm surprised anyone got here today because we came through some low traffic neighbourhoods to get here. So it's um, it's quite quite <laughs> incredible um, yeah. that there is any. We've had quite a journey to
3: get here. We met because uh, you guys were attending a, a, an event down in Portcullis House. We were yeah. Westminster, and uh, you suggested that I met you at five thirty.
0: Yes,
3: you turned up at about five fifty two. <laughs> I say about five fifty two. It was five fifty two. You
0: texted us at five fifty two saying, "Where are you?" I was, I was standing
3: you? outside Portcullis House, desperate for a wee. <laughs>
0: the most desperate you've been in your whole life research. pretty much
3: yeah but anyway we all rode here you guided us all the way here Laura. Yeah. it took us about an hour didn't it, yeah. it sedate pace
0: yeah it's Remarkable... an incredible journey actually yeah. because there's a cycle in that goes outside of parliament along the victorian embankment goes through all the way to tower hill a little bit past there we kind of cut through ended up on the cycleway two which goes through by roundabout to stratford and then it's ltns all ltns from there to here Google We're map. on the very, very southern end of Waltham Forest, just on the border with Newham. Yeah, I yeah. Mean,
3: it was kind of an exemplary London.
0: It was amazing. You know,
3: it was incredibly
0: this joined. Is how up. we get into town here. You this are very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah, we did
1: yeah. Um, Google Maps. I did Google Maps because I didn't know where I was going, and it said that seventy-seven percent of the whole route was on protected cycle lanes, which I thought was very good. It's a huge distance. it's um, probably the most I've yeah, fourteen k or something like that. And then obviously the last bit of it was in Newham's new low traffic Newham neighbourhoods and Walton Forest, a bit
3: of
0: yeah. And
1: yeah, low traffic neighbourhoods. So only one sort of slightly dodgy right turn, and that was. But in the whole ride, that was yeah, sort of it. Really, was that
2: in waltham Forest though?
1: Don't know, but you know where which we, is which
0: is the dodgy bit again.
1: When we had to just we went off Stratford's... Oh, new, we had to turn. No, no, had yeah, there's turn, a tiny right. so Newham, gap between
0: Newham, the sta- I'm not it's, Newham. Yeah, it's Newham, yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <It's>
0: definitely Newham. <laughs> but so, I know people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so the reason we're here today, not specifically today, but now, is that it's been ten years since Waltham Forest begun a transformation that has become a kind of world famous exemplar for people friendly street improvements for walking and cycling. So back in 2012 2013 we had a mayor in London um, whose name was Boris Johnson. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but um, he went down. Um, and the train rumbles overhead. So he started this very large program of funding for inner London and outer London boroughs. So outer London was the kind of small percentage of this like billion pound pot of funding for cycling, the kind of funding that UK hadn't seen before. And there was this bid for. Three different outer London boroughs to apply for
2: up to three. Up to three. So oh, really? actually, it okay. could have been one that took all wow. of the wow, hundred okay. million pounds, but it wasn't. Okay, but it hundred was... million pounds for th- Yeah, up to uh, up to three. Yeah, um, but all outer London boroughs. To put that into perspective, that is double the amount
1: of money that is in the official Active Travel England capital budget for, for the whole of England. The whole of England this this year. Yeah.
2: I'll sad. that. Well tragic yeah
0: and every out of london borough bid for this funding including yourselves
2: Yep, all eighteen out of London boroughs. So your your Bexleys, your Bromleys, your Hillingdon's, uh, all those all the big hitters for cycling, progressive boroughs, uh, and <laughs> Forest
0: uh, bid for it.
2: And uh, yeah, ourselves, Enfield and Kingston got a portion of that. Loot. Yeah,
0: you got the smallest amount though. You got twenty-seven we million. Everyone we only got, got twenty-seven million pounds. Yeah. yeah. So, so why did
3: you why did you identify that as a good thing to do? And what were you a kind of lone voice in the wilderness at the time? Because it's quite a long time ago now, isn't it? And how? Um,
2: I, th- I think way back then, we kind of, you know, all, all Boers wanted to do something in this space. So I think it would be unfair to say that all Boers didn't see the opportunity and potential from kind of getting a big injection of cash to do something at pace, because that's what Boris wanted. He wanted to see some real transformation quickly and, and at pace, and he recognised that there was an issue in outer London. I think for us in Wolfen Forest, we'd kind of gone through a journey and I, I remember, and I think Simon's in the room, uh, Simon Monk's in the room tonight. I was in a meeting with Simon and my head of highways at the time, Valavan, and I think it was Gerhard Weiss as well. Wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just consulted on a really, can I swear?
3: Oh, that's a, we haven't had that before, okay. have we? A really yeah.
2: poor scheme. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, we'd consulted on it. We'd consulted on a poor scheme and the result of the consultation meant it was even poorer than what we'd consulted on. Because in those days, it, you know, way back in 2011, 2012, for example, you know, it was, you know, we don't want to upset anyone. Clyde, we're not going to upset anyone. Uh, and uh, I had a meeting and we were like, my officer's fellow was really disappointed with the outcome. Simon and Gerhard were, like, kicking my backside about just how poor this scheme was. And I was disappointed. And, you know, and then literally within weeks, Boris had announced this kind of big thing that he wanted all out of London Boers. And I said, well, this is our opportunity to use a more recent word, reset our approach to kind of active travel. You know, this was an opportunity to do something big and massive. Um, We all wanted to do it, you know. Officers did not want to just fill potholes and put lines down on roads anymore. You know, they wanted to be creators of place. They wanted to make a difference, even way back then. Yeah. And uh, that's why we bid.
0: And 10 years later, you, according to um, the Healthy Street, Healthy Street scorecard, which ranks all London boroughs for walking and cycling and the like, um, you 48% of the borough is now low-traffic neighbourhood, which is the biggest amount... In outer London, more low-traffic neighbourhoods than some in the London boroughs.
2: How woke is that?
0: Yeah, very woke. Super woke.
2: <laughs> Super woke. It's a percentage yeah. that I have tattooed. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. And have to regularly update. What happens when it changes? Yeah, because you got
0: another 6% last year, didn't you? So, um, yeah, changing it from a 2 to an
1: 8. Wow. And 28% of schools have a school, school street?
0: School
1: yeah. That yeah, I mean, right.
0: that's one of
2: the things that I'm still not happy with. I mean, Great. we. I think we are quite slow to the school street uh, agenda. But in some respects, because we have so much of the area that is low-traffic neighbourhoods already, it kind of challenges the need uh, in the way that other places are having to progress with school streets. Because, you know, in effect, some of our existing school streets...
3: Are within LTN. uh, Effectively, uh, they're in. uh, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. So they've already been calmed, and we've taken out a lot of that through traffic, and it is really challenging for parents to drop their kids off in the morning at a school that is literally 10 metres around the corner. Mm, yes. I happened to
1: notice when we were on the way here just how many uh, cycle hangers there were as well. Um, I think we were on one short stretch of road that had five. Yeah,
0: we kind of entered on the southern end of Waltham Forest and we did a very short stretch, but you could tell that we were here because one yeah, one street, I think there were five Love on Vance Tart.
2: Love them. Can't get enough. Yeah. Um, so we got uh, just under 800, I think, currently, I think it's 760 And it's literally week by week we're vying with uh, Hackney as to who's kind of got pole lead. Um, Hackney's got
0: more LTNs than you.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is fair enough, but they've been doing it for a lot longer than us. (laughs) And they're in London. They're not out of London. Let's (laughs) kind of just remind ourselves. Um, But, yeah, so by 2026 we should have around about 1,200 uh, cycle hangers because we put the funding in place to ensure that we can meet the demand because every time we talk cycle hangers with our residents – we get another huge influx of people that are onto our waiting list. We've got over 4,000 people on our waiting list for cycle hangar spaces wow. now. You know, it's yeah. massive. We were, we were, well, I say we. Laura did some research.
1: And you said in a speech in 2018, which I was going to ask you Link, about, which was
2: People research my speeches now. I mean, well, that's,
1: that's, yes. uh, <laughs> Simon um, reminded me of only it. Only very niche people. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: I spent years talking about this is you. Uh, I spent years talking in, uh, about encouraging a shift to bikes and walking without actually doing. The things that make a difference. If I'm honest, I was tinkering with parking schemes and pandering to car owners. I was not delivering for our community. Then I got a chance to do something extraordinary. On that, were you in a united voice? I guess politically, because everyone thinks that oh, there's people in power and there's people in opposition. But often we find that actually not everybody is always on the same page, and it takes a while for people to get on the same page. So just talk about the early early parts. I know there was a lot of public opposition. Seen like the was but in terms of actually behind the scenes how difficult is to actually change a system that's been used to doing potholes and white lines for so long and not really doing anything meaningful how you get that started if you like
2: i mean I, i guess i can't go any further in this podcast without paying tribute to the late chris robbins who was the leader of orphan forest during the kind of you know the big big stuff that we did here he was a car driver he loved driving his car, and uh, he would regularly tell me about the punctures that he had got uh, in his car whilst driving around the borough, which was quite frustrating. To drive yeah, over the Panthers. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he stood by me, too thick and thin. And you know, and when I kind of go to to other boroughs, the local authorities. You know, I've done Birmingham, I've done Coventry, you know, Oxford, Oxfordshire, Edinburgh, Glasgow, whatever you know, Brighton, I always say, you know, this is difficult stuff. You know, we are literally unpicking a a set of behaviours, a culture, a a vision that says the motor car is freedom, aspiration, achievement, all wrapped up in a tin box, largely still mostly on four wheels, that has been in place for, you know, 40, 50 years. That's what we're trying to unpick here. So it is difficult and people are going to get, quite challenging to you, maybe angry, but the vast majority of people just want to be convinced that's the right thing to do. You know, you have your evangelical kind of active travel people on one hand, your evangelical people who are now, you know, mobilising against you, Les, but were mobilising against low-traffic neighbours, and they're kind of wrapping that all up into one thing, some global conspiracy theory. But most people just sit in the middle, and they just want to be convinced and actually what we've seen in Wolverhampton Forest is we've rolled out our schemes all with consent, all during, you know, positive consultation. Actually, people like them. You know, the neutral people like them. They like the fact that not thousands of motor vehicles from uh, other boroughs outside of London just using their road as, as a rat one. They like the fact that their children feel slightly safer when they're walking to school on their scooter or on their balance bike to the nursery. Um, I like the fact that they can now actually think about riding a bike because actually they don't feel threatened or challenged all the time because perhaps they're a little bit uncomfortable. And we can get to that 8 to 80 kind of aspect of people that should be able to ride a bike. So Chris Robbins stood by me through thick and thin. You know, there were times in my political group on the council that weren't great. You know, lots of people were quite unhappy with me. But he stood by me and that gave me the confidence to continue to install the confidence with my officers and for me to kind of meet some of the community activists. And, you know, I have to pay tribute to the community activists, that you know, and I think Simon coined this phrase or maybe he nicked it from someone else, but uh, uh, don't make perfect the enemy of good. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of what we've stuck by, you know, we've worked with our community activists that came on board. They've worked with us and we've worked with our officers. We created that perfect kind of that team, really, uh, of kind of enabling to take these schemes forward in the way that we have and at the pace that we have.
0: I guess you may believe it's the right thing to do and you may have the support of the council leader, but it's still a very hard thing to do. And one thing that's occurred to me just researching for this podcast and talking to different people is that it does tend to take, I mean, people talk about how um, strong you've been and um, kind of unwavering in your, it took a while as I understand it. At first you were, you know, it was it was a new thing for you as well. Like you said, it was a different it was a different approach for you. But then you got stronger over time. But it does seem to me that it takes a kind of very strong will person. I'm thinking also of John Burke in Hackney, who delivered a lot of some sim- similar stuff. Um, Andrew Gilligan, who was working for the mayor at the time, you know, very kind of hard-headed, if you like, individuals who don't I don't know. Obviously, it affects you, but who seem to be very very kind of strong and determined. And I I wonder. If one, it must have had an effect on you, but two, also, does it kind of create that kind of create sort of macho environment in that only certain types of people are able to kind of deliver and withstand this sort of level of, because um, you had, you know, there's a famous, there's a famous example of the Orford Road, the the coffin, the death of the high street campaign has brought along this, this coffin to represent the, the famous story that I think probably most people have heard. But, you know, you face that and personal abuse and all sorts.
2: Yeah, I mean... I think we've just got to stay focused. I mean, you know, even way back in kind of 2013, 2014, when we kind of secured the money and we started with the program, we, we knew that we were doing the right things for the right reasons. We knew that our, you know, local neighborhoods that were largely laid out. The streetscape was largely laid out by kind of Victorians and Edwardians was not designed for the huge amount of motor vehicles uh, that kind of Google Maps and ways were' increasingly sending vehicles down, down those streets, we knew that um, our local kind of shopping parades were, were, were struggling to survive. We knew that there were issues around the amount of trees and biodiversity that we needed to put in place. We knew we had an air quality challenge. We knew that actually taking out thousands of vehicle movements every day from a local street would give neighbours the opportunity to talk to each other. And so you're kind of enhancing and kind of rebuilding community cohesion that probably would have existed in those streets in the 1930s, for example, 1940s. know, those kind of classic kind of streetscapes where you see neighbours talking to each other and just strolling across the road. We knew we could do those things and they had to be positive attributes. We knew we had a public health issue in Wolfen Forest and actually taking out the access of cars meant that more people would be walking and cycling and scooting more of their local journeys more often and building that into their day-to-day lives rather than relying on a gym membership. We know from research that if kids turn up to school, having kind of walked there or scooted there or skipped there or jumped through puddles in their wellies to school, that because of that activity, their brain functions better, they're more attentive in school and they achieve more. You know, and who doesn't want to jump through puddles on the way to school? I know, I do. You know, uh, who doesn't want to kick a huge amount of leaves up in the air in autumn on the way to school? You know, those kind of things are really, really good. And they're also good for that kind of parental child kind of conversations as well and kind of relationships. A parent isn't having those kind of quality moments and time with a child strapped in the back of a car that actually it took them longer to get them into the car and strap them in than the actual journey to the school. So, you know, all of those things are really good, positive attributes for our local community for a whole raft of reasons, you know, and that's why in 2012, 2013, 2014, we thought these were the right things to do. And, of course, it's proved to be the point. And, of course, we've gained even, you know, further. You know, we are seeing more people walk and cycle. We are seeing different groups of people cycling now as well, which is phenomenal to see.
0: You were an evangelist.
2: No, I'm just a pragmatist. And of course, what then came along was, you know, this is one of the easiest ways to decarbonise parts of our lives. You know, if we lose our kind of connection and hang up or kind of resist our connection and hang up with the motor car, you know, if we use our feet, our legs, our two wheels more often, then actually we're helping the planet as well now you know that whole kind of climate emergency thing and this is some of the easiest stuff that we can do to save the planet decarbonizing our personal transport this is the easiest stuff that we can do mm. if we can't nail this then actually some of those bigger challenges are way way too far away from us
0: but you bought into this idea basically and that's what kept you going is, is what you're saying but
2: i'd always been a cyclist so when i first moved to london I'm not a natural Londoner. Um, <laughs> I'm from the shires. I worked in Barking. I'd got my bike to work. I bought a bike, a Scott Purgatory, that was sadly stolen after 20-odd years of service. Different story, though. And I cycled to and from from here to Stone to Barking every day. You know, so I wanted, you know, it was something that was in me. It just seemed the obvious thing to do. You know, it was good for my kind of level of fitness. Sadly, that's kind of... That's gone by the by uh, <laughs> over the years. but um, That's holding up his pint. I held up my pint there. But, uh, you know, I knew it was the right, right thing to do way back. And this was, you know, this is when I was just a... Before I was even a, a counsellor. So this is kind of mid-90s.
3: Did, were there things with hindsight that you got wrong? And that, you know, had you, t- you... With this sudden huge amount of cash that you kind of spent in the wrong direction, which would be entirely human and understandable... And is that an important part of the process to acknowledge where you got things wrong? And the the reason I ask that is because I was in touch relatively recently with a very high-profile character in the active travel world who I won't name, but he set the hour record once. (laughs)
0: We can't Um, guess who that was. No way of guessing. And and
3: he he, I think he sort of acknowledged that when we roughly started this podcast in 2020 and... um, there was this wave of enthusiasm for, for the next generation of LTNs and, um, you know, temporary cycle lanes that might one day become... That, that actually there were assumptions being made within the active travel sphere that didn't take the general public with them and that, 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 that we thought that we'd just unveil all these things across the country and everyone would embrace them wholeheartedly because it seemed like, like you've just very cogently outlined the pragmatic and sensible thing to do. And actually, if we hadn't gone... This was Chris's opinion. If we hadn't gone, <laughs> damn! if we hadn't gone, ta-da! Mm. here we are, everybody, this is going to be brilliant. We would have perhaps met with a little bit less resistance. Were there things that you got wrong in that first wave of kind of expenditure and change?
2: I, th- I think Adam read that quote for me uh, from 2018, and um, I think to kind of go any slower or to use stealth, we would have been trapped into that example that I alluded to where I was in a meeting in a, in Lainstone Library with uh, Gerhard and uh, Simon and uh, Vala, Vala where, you know, we had made a poor scheme even poorer right. because of the way we consulted. So he's Be- compromised.
3: You know, yeah, like, that yeah.
2: over-constantly compromising to suggest that actually – yeah, we can all still kind of do the things and the way that we would do it. However, if you want to walk more, if you want to cycle more, if you want to scooter more, probably micro scooters weren't really a thing way back in 2012, maybe, then, you know, you're sorry, you're just going to have to continue using what you've got. Actually, if you want to kind of move forward at pace, you're going to have to start saying no and be bold and be radical and put stuff in at pace. I think the kind of, the one thing that uh, I often allude to in these kind of, conversations though is there was a meeting in walthamstow village in the community center there when we kind of first brought to the the table the orford road scheme yeah uh, the kind of walthamstow village our first kind of low traffic neighbor that they then became that and Mini holland yes yeah, yeah as mini- part of the mini holland stuff we were only talking about cycling we were only talking about cycling and um hmm. You know, and uh, Simon was there, Paul Gasson was there, you know, another great champion. Local campaigners uh, at the time. Yeah, 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 another great champion. Uh, Jacob Hartman was there, you know, a guy who wasn't necessarily uh, an active traveller champion, but could see the benefit uh, of this stuff uh, for his local neighbourhood. But all we were talking about was cycling. And after that meeting, where we'd kind of been harangued, You know, this wasn't a demonstration. This is pre-demonstration. We've been harangued by all these residents because they just thought we were doing something for cycling. You know, we kind of got together and kind of collected our thoughts and said, well, no, we've got to talk about active travel. Mm. But not active travel because no one knows what that is. We've got to talk about actually what's good for a pedestrian is good for a cyclist. What's good for a cyclist is good for a pedestrian. You know, if we calm our streets you know if we take away and reduce the threat to their safety or the things that stop people walking more or cycling more or micro scooting more then that's when we were onto our winner and that's kind of when we started to kind of hone in on and really focus on active travel agenda you know calming our streets for the better and um, you know that when you add walking you have a much broader
1: church of people that that are, are pedestrians but For me, visiting Orford Road, it seemed like it was actually more about place. Um, You know, you built a little, a new sort of village square kind of thing and and there was a kid playing football and, you know, all that kind of of stuff with their dad. And um, that stuff, I guess, is only really possible with the funding that you have. Because I was going to ask you a question about if you hadn't have got that funding from government, whether you would have gone down this path anyway eventually because it's actually probably the only thing that councils can now afford to do at scale to hit the targets they need to do which is to filter traffic but when you do that you can't you don't do that in a way that makes a place look better and i often found the west midlands you know before i started but we did these kind of covid schemes that you talked about and they were well intentioned and well-meaning and i've got a lot of respect for anyone that sort of put the head up with the Mm -hmm. parapet and said i'm going to do that Mm -hmm. But we said to people, we were going to get give them a better future. And actually, we just sort of delivered stuff that looks like roadworks. So we need to.
0: We need <laughs> they're kind to. Of at but best, they're like they're sort of wooden white. planters in the road, That's aren't they? best.
1: Yeah, we had red and white water filled barriers. Oh, yeah, and they things, look like, like big Lego pieces. Like, like that. So, yeah. so
2: I guess how much is that quality of place part of it? I think the quality is really, really important and certainly made those earlier schemes, the schemes that they are kind of today and people still talk about and people want to still come and visit um, because they are quite powerful. You know, they look nice and who doesn't want to live in a nice place? Who doesn't want that look and feel in their neighbourhood? You know, and that's kind of one of the keys to the success, I think, in Wolfen Forest is, you know, Even people in a couple of the schemes early on that kind of decided that this wasn't for them, once they saw what had gone on in their neighbourhood, in their next-door neighbourhood, they went, oh, oh, that looks really nice. Oh, can we have a bit of that? Can we be reconsulted now? and uh you know well and we did that gladly um but we said to those people well you've got to you've got to you've got to make this ask work and you know you had people like susan hall in church hill howard road uh, area hilltop residents association kind of formed around kind of recognizing that they Hadn't got what they thought they were going to get, but really wanted it because they could see the benefits in the, the the neighbouring neighbourhood from kind of having modal filters, having you know being able to plant up their street with their neighbours, you know that kind of community cohesion yeah. agenda that challenged the biodiversity as well. You know, and, and they do phenomenal. look great. They
0: they look yeah. they look good. They're, you've got rain gardens now. You get these kind of buffers on the side of the road and through these filters with planting and trees and um, it's really sort of changed the streetscape and you kind of know you're in Waltham Forest now riding through and it really it looks it, it is about place as well, um, which is good. Um, but, I mean, part of your journey, you, you even though at the beginning, those first four years, you understood that what you were doing or you believed in what you were doing, you understood that this was appealing to different parts of the council, you know, different portfolio holders, but also to different areas of society and people's affecting different areas of people's lives health the environment um social cohesion but then even you know even you had a wobble and you said that you in may 2018 you drafted a resignation letter ahead of the local elections because you believed the hype around the social media posts and the local paper headlines and what people were saying to you and you thought you were going to lose your job
2: so in the run up to the 2018 elections, I'm sure many many people in here, you know, whereas other parts of London, there were big debates about housing and, uh, you know, all sorts of other stuff. You know, certainly when I was knocking on doors, and I spent a lot of time knocking on doors across the borough, everyone had a view on Mini Holland. Everyone had a view on Mini Holland. <laughs> and you said it-
0: something like um, £100 million of social services cuts, people will just... Um, kind oh, of overlook oh, but then oh, yeah. you start I to mean, change I, the, people's parking or the way they drive through and uh, everyone uh, I cares mean, you,
2: you, you talk about the demonstration Orford Road with me and the coffin uh, and Jacob Hartman in the, just in the background and I think Paul Gasson as well but actually we had a demonstration the biggest demonstration in the borough's 50, 50 years of history on our town hall steps <laughs> around you know our proposals around kind of mini Holland around about 2014 2015 this was uh, so just into the new kind of uh, term. And, you know, lots of expletives being shouted at, lots of very, very kind of controversial placards uh, uh, and and such like.
0: People care about this stuff. Uh,
2: But actually, at this point, we were five years into the government's austerity programme. And we'd had hundreds of millions of pounds cut out of, you know, our council budget from social care and whatever. Barely anything. <laughs> to challenge us around some of the difficult decisions that we'd had to make in that space. Yet, propose making our streets healthier for people to move around. Then, you know, this huge kind of uh, demonstrations and in the run up to uh, 2018 elections. Every party that was opposed to my party, um, independents, were all rallying against what we had done with Mini Holland, they'd all jumped on his bandwagon. Because Sounds they'd,
0: familiar, actually. Yeah, they <laughs> kind
2: of believed the kind of hype on social media. And, of course, you know, at this point, social media was really coming into its fore. You know, local newspapers were literally, you know, barely touched. It was all about social media. It was all about Facebook, really, at that particular point uh, in time. And, you know, and I, I was reading it, you know, I, you know, I am active on social media. I feel that's probably something that politicians in this day and age need to be to kind of get a sense of what's going on. However, a pinch of salt does need to be applied occasionally. But, you know, I thought we were going to lose the, the majority uh, of the council just because of the sheer weight and volume of angst that was coming through on social media and my colleagues were coming back saying from the doorstep. And, of course, what happened was we got the kind of biggest... Swing we've ever had to our group. Every single party you know, lost votes. I got the biggest swing to me that in my personal votes that I've I've ever had. So I had to rip that resignation letter up. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> the, con- the contents of which no one will ever know. But um, uh, but you know, no, we thought we we're gonna. I, I thought we were gonna lose the administration, and it would be on this, but. Be- particular issue but what it comes back to is that point that those people in the middle that neutral people they just want to be convinced they just want to see the Mm, difference they want to feel it they want to experience it and you know and if it works for them, it works for them um how
1: long do you think um i guess i've experienced doing schemes how long do you think it takes for people to become used to what you're trying to achieve because it's some of it's quite a big picture stuff and they won't necessarily you know unless you, you kind of buy into the whole concept which a lot of people are just like i just care about what's out i can see or what i do thinking about the school kids that you talked about who would like to sort of jump in puddles and stuff like that and i think that's obviously really nice but if they were being previously let's say driven to school for whatever reason you know let just say so that they needed to parents needed to get to a two jobs or two drop-offs two different schools or whatever whatever they would say at some point you know it hits it hits you right what you could do you can no longer do we see that we experience it all the time i experience it i live in a in a kind of rural area i do drive try not to but i do drive and if there's like roadworks or something that like my normal route i I'm all of a sudden i'm I'm out of control I don't know where I'm going uh, you know i'm 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 not out of control I'm not a psychopath um, i I just you know just just sort of like well, this is annoying I'm just sat in traffic and i'm out of you know I feel like this is different to me There's obviously a point where then people start to see the benefits, but it, it's not instantaneous for people so have you got an experience of how long that takes because I guess a lot of politi- we have a lot of politicians listen to this um this this podcast who probably want to give this a go but you know and even try it out but how long do they need to
2: you know sit firm for does
3: susan hall listen to this podcast uh, (laughs) she should
2: (laughs) yeah um so we've been through two full electoral cycles now since we first started doing our work here in wolf and vice generally i think people are used to it yeah now Uh, here so things don't come as that kind of dramatic shock anymore where they can't turn uh, left into a a street to to get down to the school gate to actually throw children out into the the playground you know so it's kind of quite embedded now and and people know that in in Wolfen Forest whether you're someone who's lived here for a long time or someone who's perhaps moved here a a little bit more recently Um, so, so it You know, people are just used to the fact that we will do these sorts of schemes.
0: You don't get the backlash, do you? We don't,
2: because, you know, people understand that there's a consultation process, there's an engagement process. They, They understand how they can input into those schemes. They understand the fact that just about every single scheme we've ever introduced has been amended as a consequence of the consultation and engagement process that we've gone through. You know, and largely, they've made all those schemes better you know and i you know reflect back on that that starting point in 2012 in Laiton Library we were making poor schemes poorer then but actually we know that there's a wealth of knowledge and experience that our residents can bring to the table that actually inform and make our schemes even better now and that's the place uh, that we're in so we've just consulted on Forest Road you know, for, for those people here, it's kind of from the Bell Junction in Wolframstow right up to kind of Woodford New Road, that kind of length, you know, putting in separate cycle tracks on both sides, you know, and we went forward with some ideas and some of the residents in various parts along, along that route said, no, don't do that, actually, you need to do this instead. And it's made for a better scheme as a consequence, you know, but that's the place that we're in now because people understand and mm, have some mm. ownership of uh, the work that we've been doing here in uh, you know, 10 years next year.
3: So I think what you're identifying in part is is uh, an understanding that because you're a little bit ahead of – well, you're quite a lot ahead of the curve nationally that actually – It's too easy to be defeatist. I sometimes fall into this trap and just think, well, the the current political climate nationally is so against us. The headwinds are so strong that um, it's very difficult to see how change can be affected. But actually, you're saying drill down on that. Look at the individual communities, the smaller picture where with a bit of sustained persistence, you can affect change that flies in the face of what you might consider to be the kind of national trend, if you like. Would Is that is that the message of and Forest, do you
2: think? Yeah, I mean, I tend to block out national politicians uh, <laughs> uh, and MPs in this place. You know, <laughs> I, I'm a local government politician. Mm. Uh, and actually, you know, there are some things we still have some control and say over in local government. We are a heavily centralised democracy in the UK, but... You know, there are still things we have some control and say over and there are, you know, some good pieces of legislation in place to kind of govern us Mm -hmm. and ensure we do the right things for the right reasons. But in the kind of space of highways, public realm, Active travel, you yeah, know, we, of still, of control, yeah, we yeah. still have yeah. a lot of levers in in, in that space. So, yeah. you know, IDS has got a Westminster debate tomorrow on 20 mph. Um, that's uh, in Duncan Smith. yeah, 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 Sorry, uh, in Duncan's uh, abbreviations uh, uh, from the north of the borough. Um, you know, we've been rolling out 20 mph in Waltham Forest for like over 20 years, probably nearer 30 years, and he's literally just woken up and recognized that fact. Because I wonder why that is. Because we've
0: rolled woke. it out to the north for the borough. <laughs> he's woken up.
2: Yeah, he's woke. Mm. He's woke now. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, you know. So. So. You know. We. We have control, and we'll progress with those things. And you know. We have really good officers. We have really good community activists in this place. We have really good politicians that are on board with this stuff, and we have residents that want more of it. You know, and I've got a pipeline now of people that want kind of you know low traffic neighbourhoods in their area. Perhaps not on the scale of some of the ones that we've done in the past, and certainly not on the scale of the one that we've just put in a couple of weeks ago in the kind of Lloyd Park uh, area in, in Walthamstow. But you know, certainly they're coming forward asking for us to give give them the treatments that we've given to other parts of the borough.
3: Some sort of tipping point. You're, it's a tipping point yes. of sorts, yeah, 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 isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. approaching that kind of yeah, critical. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and you've um you've spoken about support from within the council um and support from residents, but also um campaigners had a huge role to play in what you achieved. And also I guess keeping you honest or keeping you sort of on track. And there were there were a couple of things when you had the when you first started doing this, it was campaigners I guess they they said, you know, people I've spoken to who are campaigning at the time said one thing they made sure to do was to praise what you were doing well and to, you know, to make sure because councillors get so much stick from so many different angles and you said you spent way too much time talking about bins. <laughs> More time than anyone My else should. My other passion.
2: Yeah. Bins, your, and, b- bins and bikes. Bins and bikes, yeah.
0: basically, yeah. Um, and, but, but I think they played a really important role in in kind of helping you deliver, making sure you were delivering T- i mean tfl's money also i should say was premised on the fact that you were delivering what you said you would deliver so you kind of had to because of them but you also had to and i understand from campaigners that you were very open to changing things like you were with this I, 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 I think
2: name. as a local politician you are quite often very nervous around community activists especially community activists that are you know of a kind of uh, have a, a particular focus to them. So kind of, you know, the traditional uh, Wolf and Forest uh, London cycling campaign, for example. I think
0: they're going to shout at you. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, you just fear them, you know, and nothing's ever going to be they right. They are terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing,
0: nothing. They are evangelists. Nothing, Famously
2: terrifying people. Nothing yeah. is ever going to be yeah. right for them. Yeah. But I think, you know, they saw there was an opportunity here. They couldn't afford to kind of blow either that um you know that was a once in a lifetime opportunity to kind of convince politicians to do the right things but to do it with them um but as a consequence we saw like groups like um we love Wolfen forest mini holland set up um better streets for Wolfen forest set up that weren't necessarily kind of the cycling campaigners that we traditionally had conversations within the space it was bringing forward people that were never going to ride a bike but did want to walk uh, across their neighbourhood in a safe uh, and pleasant environment. They did want to walk their school kids to the school gate without having to kind of fight a car that was parked right in front of the school gate uh, or parked on double yellow lines just at the bottom uh, of where the school were you know people that did want to see space more space given over to kind of biodiversity in their local streets so you started to see this kind of bringing together of of people that were prepared to kind of champion the work that we were doing
0: and you changed the branding as well to yes yeah so changed it to it out. enjoy yeah walk yeah. cycle enjoy
2: yes yeah and 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 that was part of of that it was to kind of bring together a, well and recognize the fact that it wasn't all about cycling and, and actually, there were more things that kind of bound people together. There was more commonalities, is that a word? Uh, in just kind of, you know, active travel without calling it active travel. Just nice places, nice places to move around. Yeah. Uh, hence the term in, in, enjoy. But those people could then go, you know, and they could have the conversation with their neighbour. The council didn't need or the councillors didn't need to have the conversation with some of these people. Say, so, actually, this is good for us. You know why don't we want our school kids to be out? Kind of you know walk together and scoot along the road to the next junction, knowing full well that they're going to be safe doing that. Why would we not want that stuff in our street? And
1: um, as we come towards um, the end of our questions, and we're going to go to the audience as, as well. Um, I just want to to maybe ask you a question finally about the like what's what's next, and 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 also just encourage to think about maybe other forms of transport. Because I notice in some ways, you know. M- the Waltham Forest, I would say, is doing really well in terms of, I, I recommend it to colleagues for doing EV charging points because you keep them off the pavement. But then also, I also, another part of me thinks it's quite strange that government is basically building mini petrol stations for, for, for people um, at, at public expense and things like that. So I guess I'm, I'm interested to know about the other forms of transport, buses, you know, the main road treatments, EVs, um, you know, what, what, what you think about your need to do stuff on that but also what's next in general transport terms
2: so um so we've got a we've got a pipeline of kind of uh active travel and, and, and cycling infrastructure that we've should probably see a suit in the next kind of three four four years so that's forest road that bit from the as i mentioned earlier between the bell junction and woodford new road uh there'll probably be some fans in the audience of this one you know we are working on a design for Leighton stone high road you Know, uh, and uh, you know, that's um, you know, that ain't gonna be easy though. Uh, it will make Leebridge Road look like a picnic. Um, so you know, but but we know it's something that we we kind of need to do if we're to kind of improve that kind of connectivity around the borough. Uh, we'll be finishing off Ho Street from where we've got to on Ho Street down to, to the Baker's Arms that then links up with Lee Bridge Road. So, you know, we've got those kind of, you know, uh, separate cycle track stuff. We've got some real interest in low traffic neighbourhoods kind of around Whips Cross Hospital, Peterborough Road, Essex Road, that part uh, of the borough, as well as some of the pockets in kind of Leighton, so sorry. But when it comes to EV charging points, you know, we've got some, you know, we've got some ambitions around that. We are struggling a little bit in the, in the face of people that people think they could just trail leads over the pavement. Uh, you know, for me, that's, you know, just not on. I've had one company approach me with a safe way of doing that. I've had a million companies come and see me about a safe way of tra- trailing a lead over a pavement and not allowing someone to trip up with it and the council not have, then the insurance issues and the legal obligations uh, uh, to resolve. I think in that space, our big challenge is to kind of convince the government to reduce the the VAT on electricity charge at a public EV charging point down to the same level as a household. Lots of people in Wolf Fries don't have access to a drive. You know, their properties aren't big enough. Plus, we don't really want people paving over, the, you know, the limited garden space that we've still got in front gardens. You know, there's an issue around flooding. There's an issue about biodiversity and that. So we want you know, the public available EV charging point to kind of be one that they feel they're comfortable in using and not kind of being, you know, charged at different rates to what they could if they were charged at home. So that's a big debate for us. But we're rolling out a lot of EV charging points, you know, slow, medium and fast and rapid uh, charging points uh, in the run up to kind of 2026. 20, so and we've got funding in place uh, to do that. And we're leading for Newham and Redbridge in kind of pulling in government funding. In that space, and that's because I think our reputation in, in this particular uh, space of active travel and sustainable travel, and moving forward, that we hold that position. On buses, you know, we constantly work with uh, TfL around what they're doing around their buses. We've you know worked with them on the two Superloop routes that come into the borough uh, so far. I think we've had some difference of opinions on uh, super loops. Um, that's
0: that's to, to kind of um, that's a bit of a sweetener with the ULEs, U- wasn't it? Because yeah. people were talking about not being able to yeah. get around out of London without a car.
2: Yeah, so we think there's probably some amendments to the super loops once they're in that I think TfL and ourselves will recognise me- means that they can be kind of amended going forward. But they are an important part of the kind of bus network going forward in, in London and certainly in in, in outer London. I think they're the kind of big spaces that I'm kind of operating in at the moment and making step-free some of our rail uh, network. And that's a big issue, certainly for the Gospel Oak Line, as well as the Liverpool Street Line, uh, as well as a number of stations there. Because the trains have got so much better in kind of frequency and reliability, we really need to kind of deal with some of the, the step access at those. And, of course, some of our tube stations. Leighton tube, we're going to see some uh, works uh, hopefully start.
0: We have one enthusiastic yes from the audience on the yeah, step-free yeah, access
2: late, station. Leighton late, late tube next year, but you know we're constantly working on late stone tube as well to kind of get that one uh, uh, sorted. You know because it's just not right, and you know, and people mostly think about step-free access as an issue for people with mobility issues and challenges. Actually, it's really important for people with buggies. You know, uh, people with young children. Some of those steps from some of those tube stations and rail stations, really, stone High Road, station they're really steep Uh, you know it's difficult if you've got a two year old who doesn't want to be in the buggy you're carrying a buggy and holding the hand of a two year old trying to get them up those steps because they think it's fun but after the first four or five they're kind of bored uh, and the trains just pulled in you know your whole world starts to fall apart but those kind of issues uh, are, are really important for us going forward you know if we're to make you know that transition from you know car trips into kind of public transport and active transport brilliant well thank you very much Clyde um can we give a round of applause to Clyde's
3: um, yeah.
1: Yeah. um I'm one, I had a brainwave I'm wondering if um Dan's around that could yeah so that you can use this microphone just talk like this and we can take some questions
3: hi Clyde uh what role does cycle training play in your
2: vision for active travel over the next few years okay groups of three questions or one at a time why
0: not i'm a
2: politician i'm used to groups of three that enables me to think about
0: the answer
2: yeah okay
3: i'm here that four percent for uh, is a crucial um, uh, metric for people switching to modes of active travel i believe at london we're currently around about two something like that how do we get to four because i believe that's when things really start to roll can you talk a little bit about your secure parking at stations
2: program and how that's going to be expanded in the future. Wow. Um, so actually, we didn't really talk about complementary measures, did we, mm. really? We, we, we talked about cycle hangers, hangers yeah. um, but we didn't actually talk about the wider program of con- complementary measures. So one of the reasons I think Wolfen Forest won the original Mini Holland bid was because we talked a lot about complementary measures we talked about cycle parking, uh, we talked about cycle training, we talked about cargo bikes uh, as well, because we we kind of, we want to enable more people to want to cycle, we want to enable more people to think that they can own a bike, or use a bike, but of course the Morphin Forest, as you all probably know, is, you know, you've got lots of people that live in uh houses traditional terrace houses that have been converted into flats we've got lots of people live in flats we've got lots of people who don't want to drag their muddy bike in after cycling the streets of london on a wet miserable early december evening across the white carpet why you would have a white carpet in the hallway i do not know but um you just don't want to do that uh so you know that that whole kind of program around cycle parking is really really integral to unlocking and enabling more people to cycle. So as is the the parking at, at stations because we know that you know a lot of people will um, you know they're not confident of cycling in cycling into central London. Um, but they are perfectly capable and, and confident in cycling f- through a low-traffic neighbourhood to get them to Leytonstone Tube Station or Leytonstone High Road Station. And then kind of, lock, you know, they want to be able to lock their bike up securely and safely and then go on, uh, probably through the tube or maybe even a bus uh, ride to, to, to the place of work or the place of leisure uh, or, you know, cinema or whatever they're, they're going to do. And then they want to know when they come home, their bike is still going to be there. Um and uh, and if it's got a flat tyre when they get there, they want to know they can be able to pump their tyre up and get them through the low traffic neighbourhoods to to get home. So that kind of network of eleven uh, cycle uh, hubs that we've got across all of our stations now, because we've uh, we've opened up the the ones in Chingford as well, is really really important for that kind of purpose.
0: And the fact that the cycle routes form a network as well, which is which is obviously a, perhaps an obvious part of it, but but they link up.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's really, really important. Cycle training is really, really massively important, and we do we do really well in Waltham Forest from allocations from Transport for London to enable people to learn to cycle. If you're traditionally at school and the t- traditional school offer learn to ride a bike with your family units, you know mum, dad, and siblings. You know you can do that in Waltham Forest. One to one cycle training you can do in Waltham Forest for free. You can learn to cycle in a group of women if that's what you want to do. You can learn to cycle uh, or ride a, a wheeled form of transportation if you've got kind of um, you know, m- mobility uh, challenges. You can do all of that for free in and Forest because we believe that's really, really important. You can learn to ride a bike as an 80-year-old in Forest. You Forest. Know, we've funded Age UK to kind of promote and run Cycle training events for kind of more senior residents in Wolverhampton, so we can mirror and match what they do in Denmark and and Holland. You know where it's the norm for a, a mid seventy year old to be riding around on a bike on a cold, miserable, wet December Monday evening. Monday
0: night.
2: You know we do all of those things, and we continue to fund those things. We you know we have a, a summer cycling schools. We have our Easter cycling schools. We do all of those things to get and get more and more young people riding a bike. And the more and more young people riding the bike, more often and demanding that their parents get them a bike yeah. or fix their bikes, because we do all of those doctor bike things as well for free, then the more people that are going to shift in that mode shift cycle training really unlocks and builds confidence in 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 people whether you're coming at it as a young person or you're coming at it from a 40 year old or a 75 year old it really kind of builds that confidence so that quality training is really really important and that's the thing that's going to get that mode shift uh in in place but i don't i don't want to be content with four four percent i want to go harder and faster you know we have all got a role to play here in convincing more people to kind of ride a bike or scooter or or walk more often, particularly their, their local journeys. So, you know, it's not about the council. It's not about me as a politician. It's about all those conversations we have with our neighbours, friends and family, saying, actually, Wolfenweiss is a great place to be able to learn to do this. Wolfenweiss is a great place to be able to then enact what you've learnt and you know, and take that forward. And it's only when it becomes common and the norm that you get that transition like they've had in Holland, like they've had in Copenhagen.
0: Can you come and do Newham next? <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, uh, Newham Ray still Redbridge. <laughs> and Redbridge, but Newham still seems to think paint is infrastructure. So my question is, what are the big mistakes you see people still making?
3: And then I'll come down the front as well.
2: Um. Here in Newham, there is a huge problem in walking along pavements. There's bikes, there's e-scooters, there's
1: kids on scooters. You feel as if you're in a kind of mad video game sometimes. Do you have that problem in Waltham's, though? If not, how have you addressed it?
2: That's like a third, and we're doing a hat trick.
3: (laughs) Um, So it sounds like you had some quite vocal opposition at the start, and you've got kind of quite universal community support now. To what extent... Did having £27 million you couldn't spend on anything else kind of create a, a sense of inevitability or momentum sort of around that?
2: Some boroughs had to kind of go third, first and provide some kind of leadership uh, in this space. And, you know, I'll put a hand up. I think Northern Forest is, is one of those boroughs that's done that. It. Hopefully it's made it a little bit easier for, for more boroughs to, to do stuff. But when I talk to kind of James in in Newham, I talk to Joe in Redbridge, you know, and their respective colleagues, you know, this is hard stuff. As I said right at the start, you are picking 40 or 50 years worth of kind of behaviours and culture. It's not going to happen uh, overnight. You have to work really, really hard. And as the, the, the quote that... Um, God, Simon, I'm mentioning you more than anyone else, but um, as Simon said, you, you can't make perfect the enemy of good and there has been some good progress in newham over recent years you know the the low traffic neighborhood that we sit in now is was london's first cross borough low traffic neighborhood you know that is you know part of the success of the the work that um, we, we've done and, and newham uh, starting to do and i know joe is r- working really really hard in redbridge You know, and if you look at the kind of, you know, the percentage of car ownership in some of these boroughs, Redbridge is still really, really high when it comes to car ownership. You know, Redbridge still doesn't have, you know, 20 MPH across the whole borough. Redbridge still has quite low controlled parking zones, you know, so it's still importing a lot of traffic from from Essex into Redbridge on a daily basis. So it's still got some of those big challenges that we in Waltham Forest took on many years before we had our, our Mini Holland funding. So, you know, they're a little bit further back, but, you know, they are doing things. They will. They are making a difference and they will to continue to make progress perhaps not at the pace that some of you in the audience are uh, content with but they will make the progress because it's inevitability now this is the place that we need to be you know the time is now for all the reasons that i've alluded to about just being nicer places to live right through to you know there's a climate emergency and this is one of the easier things that we can do is decarbonize our kind of uh, travel movements uh, on a daily basis that's the new and redbridge thing hopefully they won't hate me for saying any of that because i'm seeing them both on thursday uh, what was the other point um, pavements pavement. pavements i'll be slightly controversial here i think adam referred to the fact that our you know we we made it very clear from the outset that our ev charging points will never be you know impinging on valuable and precious pedestrian space they will always be in in the public carriageway rather than on pavements and you've seen lots of local authorities have planted those those huge charging units in the middle of the pavement you know that's not good for, for for anyone we experimented with uh dockless bikes you know through some of those early iterations uh some some years ago you know and we were burnt Quite, quite badly, kind of with the, you know, UFOs and those other companies that kind of didn't really take full responsibility for what they were dumping in, even though the concept, you know, was quite appealing at the time. And we've made it clear that Wolf of will not be going down the kind of any further kind of dockless bike schemes. You can geofence those parking zones all you like, but we're not in that place. I don't want line bikes cluttering up our streets making it difficult for pedestrians to get by i do not want to go and i'm certainly not going to do it with scooters neither so we may be a bit of an outrider in that oh. space um but i just do not see the value this time uh, for those kind of initiatives there are some really good things on two wheels and they already exist and uh you know that's that's the space that uh, I, I operate in that place in terms of like um the the lady was mentioning sort of um
1: i think sort of people moving on the yes exactly um and i've got a little anecdote that might just just help with this because i brought co- uh, councillors from coventry over to waltham forest and they'd had a certain vibe of of you know we have a lot of people um ultimately cycling on the pavements because there is no other option so people feel safe unsafe on the roads so they end up going on the um on the pavements yeah, but what we found in what we found in Waltham Forest is when you built the infrastructure and you, you, you calmed the streets, people were much more comfortable riding on the road. But also, we were walking on the road. We weren't even using the pavements because we were able to walk in the road because there was so so the infrastructure does make obviously some people will do what they do, oh. but, but also like like people drive on pavements as well. But we, we we need to make sure that there's infrastructure. I guess
2: build it and they will come. I mean, that, that is, you know, the other, the other thing that I, I quote. You know, if you make it safer, you make it so that, you know, uh, people uh, who are riding a bike, riding a scooter, feel safe on the road, then they will be on the road. If they are fearful, they will go on, on, onto the pavements and, you know, put those low-traffic neighbourhoods in and the only people that are driving around them are your neighbour. So why on earth... Are they going to kind of create a tension with a pedestrian that's happened to be sauntering down the middle of the, of the road? No, they they'll they'll wait for you to get out of the road. They won't be bibbing their horn or, or anything or threatening or intimidating you. So yeah, it is about build, build it and they will come. And it is about low traffic neighbourhoods and it is about quality separate cycle track where people want to go not where motorists are comfortable for cyclists to have infrastructure. I mean, that's the other big thing that we've learned in Wolfen Forest is motorists will tolerate a certain thing, but we've had to throw the challenge down and say, actually, no. Why does someone on a bike need to go all that way out of their way to get to where they want to go, when actually we can put the infrastructure down this road, Uh, and it makes it really easy and and efficient and effective for them to do it. Because if it is, then they will ride a bike down that infrastructure. If you make them go all around the houses, they ain't going to go that way. Um, And there was one more, community support. So I don't take anything that we do or about to embark on for granted. So everything is like a new piece of engagement and consultation, and I know hearts and minds need to be convinced. Clearly getting a big wadge of cash to kind of set an agenda, kind of create some anticipation and pace, really, really unlocks some kind of enthusiasm uh, and, and ambition from our communities. You know, and I think ultimately we've deployed that effectively. We've delivered successful schemes. I would say that anyway. And we continue to kind of build on those foundations that we've established over the last 10 years. The money helps. Money the money helps. helps. Money always helps. Mine's the question, like, what first attracted you, the millionaire,
1: Paul Daniels? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm involved uh, with the London Cycling Campaign's Women's Network. How much do you consider what the differences are between how a man and a woman travels when you're looking at your schemes? We particularly found that women have to travel differently at night because they don't feel safe on routes that go through parks or along Towpaths, or I mean, not there's many towpaths in Moreton Forest, but you know those sort of quiet routes that suddenly become unacceptable when it's dark. Do you consider those when you're planning schemes?
3: Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. It's something that Laura said on our cycle ride up here to me that I'd never noticed before. But Laura, I think you're bang on that this world of transport policy and just as much active travel is dominated by men. Um, the, the conversation is dominated by men. I was very struck all
2: evening, actually, when you've been crediting your colleagues. I think in every single case it was a man. Wasn't? Was it uh, okay. S- S- Susan Hall? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, uh, I stand corrected. Uh, I think she I was the only woman
3: uh, who's got men. But I think it's I a mean, really it's a good it's a really important observation. Yeah. Was there any more? Yeah. Now I just wanted to build on the on the issue of cycling, cyclist security. Um, Walk from Forest has a bit of a reputation for bike mugging. People being dragged off their bikes. That's the only thing that concerns me about riding a bike in Waltham Forest. I'm probably talking about top-end bikes here, but nevertheless, I just wonder what you're doing about it. Uh, I often share quite a
2: narrow bike lane with three or four-wheeled pedal-powered vehicles. Is the problem the width of the bike lane or the vehicle? <laughs> okay, um, on, on kind of designing schemes to encourage more, more women to feel safe uh, using them, we have some really, really good uh, kind of uh, engineers who are women that work on, on the design of our schemes. Jane Sherry, I kind of give a shout out to, who kind of, you know, very, very important in some of our work. In this space i'm not going to say that uh, these things aren't aren't a challenge as we try to kind of break through some of the barriers but it is also why we're kind of very keen on kind of supporting the kind of cycling sisters and joy riders in and forest because you know community groups they're kind of really important as well in kind of giving us regular feedback on our schemes and our designs here in wolfham forest you know and they're two really powerful Groups that have their kind of foundations in Wolf and Forest. they're kind of cycling groups for kind of women. For those of you who don't know, and so they've they've been really really important uh, in 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 that space, you know. But we're not perfect in everything, and if you know you've got things, you've got issues that you kind of want to bring to our attention, or you know what you believe to be flaws in our schemes that perhaps aren't enabling more women to be cycling in Wolf and Forest and using our infrastructure, then please let us know. Simon does tend to let us know, but I'd rather probably hear from you or, you know, you know, channel it through the, the Wolf and Fire cycling campaign or channel it through Joyriders or Cycle Sisters. You know, we've got some phenomenal women that have been champions uh, uh, of cycling, not just in Wolf and Fry's, but across the UK there that have come come to light over, over recent years. So I, d- I don't feel we don't know about things. But please, our door's always open and, you know, if there is things we can do better, then just let us know and we'll endeavour to try to incorporate uh, those those views into what we're doing. Um, then just on bike muggins. So ultimately we try to kind of make sure that uh, our routes are kind of well lit and there's kind of observation, you know, uh, along, along the routes. But ultimately, you know, bike muggins, stealing of bikes, attacks on people riding a bike – is a criminal matter and we do need the police to kind of, you know, up their game and take things more seriously uh, in this space. It is something that I have an ongoing discussion with Simon Crick here in uh, Wolfen Forest. He's the kind of borough commander for Newham and Wolfen Forest around, you know, how the police can do more and, you know, potentially take this more seriously. But police are another public service that is under, you know, threat, under-resourced. And you know they they are making decisions around the resources that they've got available uh, to them and how they prioritise that. I don't begin to think for one minute that it's an easy job being in charge of a, a local police force in London at this particular time. Um, but uh, be rest assured that I do make sure it is on their radar and we raise it with our safer neighbourhood teams uh, uh, as well. But you know one of the good things about our cycle hubs, uh, our stations, for example, when it and it goes to the previous questions you know the cctv cameras in there that is being monitored is being recorded you know there's panic alarms in the in, in those spaces as well uh, and then the final point was pedicabs pedicabs uh not a particular it's not, a, uh, like not a particular problem for a single not a particular problem for a single device but isn't it a great problem to have when it comes to cargo bikes We have seen this huge boom in cargo bikes in in, in kind of Waltham Forest. And this is because more businesses feel that they can actually make the transition from perhaps what they would have used to have driven around into now riding around. Families now feel that they can use a cargo bike to kind of get their children uh, to school. So it's a sign of progress. But of course, what we've been doing is building stuff. You know, certainly cycle tracks. That is, you know, still you know primarily focused on two wheels uh, and one wheel being in front of the other, uh, very very like that. Whereas actually, probably what we needed to have been doing is thinking a little bit wider, particularly with regard to mobility. Uh, some of the interesting mobility uh, uh, design bikes that are coming onto to the market. So it's a great problem to have now that there is the demand to kind of push back on some of our designs that we've had in the past. You know, and what we're trying to do in our kind of cycle hubs again, you know, is try to accommodate cargo bikes and parking for cargo bikes. Because again, if you don't want to kind of drag your your, your two wheeler into the hall, then the last thing you're going to want to do is uh, trawl your latest cargo bike through the hallway. Brushing the walls uh, as you go and drag that mud over your white carpet. So you know we've got some big, big challenges, but these are great problems to have now, and the demand is there. You know, more and more people are looking into cargo bikes as an option for whatever uh, the reason, and we need to be able to respond to that. Yeah, I think it's um, it was really interesting. I'll just ride
1: here. We talked about it at the start before we hit record, but. Um, you know we went from central London on the cycle Highway along the embankment which is really quite wide but already sort of at capacity and then we went through um, Mile End and, and yeah is, me yes. and Ned
0: were trying to ride side by side but it Not was possible, a bit of a, is it? bit of a challenge at times yeah wasn't it?
1: And, and also just the way the designs have changed even over a period of time where um, you know the around the bus stops it's kind of like diagonal so you you really have to get the line right otherwise you'll you they were designed, designed to slow up, cyclists up, down yeah. like that yeah, it's it's a, it's a so it's changing, isn't it? It's,
2: it's a, it, it? It is a challenge, and um, yeah, I'll come back to this point that, you know, build it and they will come, but also don't make perfect the enemy of good, you know, and there will be times where you just can't get the right width of cycle track in place, you know. You know, and we've experimented, you know, Mark House Road, and some people in this room may know Mark House Road, you know, it's a real challenge, you know, and it's still a piece of work that I get. Is that uh, where the shops uh, are? They, yeah, yeah, some real kick back around, but we wanted to do something to sh- prove that you could do it if the wheel was there. But it ain't perfect, but it is good, and it does enable a lot more people to cycle that route now than would ever have done previously. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. Yeah, thanks thank for, you very for much. for being
1: a brilliant I've audience. learned an awful lot
3: about Wolf and Forest.
1: Yeah. Good, because you're here. You're not in yeah. normal
3: Redbridge. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey. Hornet's nest of local rivalries here. Luckily, if we get out alive, <laughs> don't tell him are from Lewisham. Yeah. yeah
0: from <laughs> <laughs> and and thank you to Dan for yeah, hosting us here. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Yeah. Well <laughs> for the for the delicious glue vine, which Ned and I have enjoyed yeah, immensely. Yeah. And thanks to Adam for bringing all of the equipment here that which he's bought for he's us. Got some fancy lights on Pedal Me, Pastels. which he, he booked it on Pedal Me. Yeah.
1: You've been listening to Streets Ahead. Our editor has been Claire Mansell. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead and please rate us and review us and share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Till next time.
2: Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.